Welcome to the Poem the Parsha the Podcast. I'm Rivi. And I'm Adrian. And we are thrilled to talk to you and talk to each other about the Parsha Rashavua. Absolutely. It is Parsha Yitro. Uh, uh, a, a seminal Parsha. I would think so. Um, I mean, if you've got to tune into any, let's just go to Parsha let us, Yitro. Yeah, like let it be this one. Let it be this one. This one's got the Ten Commandments. I know. The Revelation, the, Sinai. All of it. All of it. Is, it is happening. It is happening. All of the things we've been waiting for as we have been schlepping through the desert are now coming. And, and I, would, I would even go further. I would say... Uh, you know, we deeply believe that the world was created for the sake of Torah. Absolutely. And finally, it's being revealed. Here it is. It is being revealed. And because it is such a special, special, special Parsha, um, the poem we have curated is one is, is a type of poem that we haven't used before. Um, this particular poem is a poem by a Spanish mystic, a student of Avraham Abu Lafia, like this is uh, this is thirteenth century poetry. This is this is uh, this is a, a a pool we have not yet waded into. And I just was it. It took my breath away. It, yeah, it took my breath yes. away. And yes. we do have to acknowledge. I've got a number of little blue books of poetry from medieval Jewish poetry. Yes, uh, some on the shelf here. Oh, on the shelf over there. Yes, and, and at home. And we really haven't gone into this whole genre of the Spanish golden age yes. poetry. Yes. Which is so magnificent. It is. And it, it's sad to read it in translation. Uh, we could look for the original, but not today. Yes. This, Certainly not in the middle of a COVID surge. Uh, no, it's true. Um, this is The Nut Garden by Yosef um, Gikatia. I've heard Gikatia. I've also heard Gikatia. Um, it's translated by Peter Cole. Um, and this, this, I just have to say the first time I read it, I about fell out of my chair because I just thought this is the most, um, sort of, what's what I'm looking for? It is spiritually open in a way that we have not really delved into with any of the other poems we've done so far. So this is the nut garden. The nut garden holds things felt and thought. And feeling for thought is always a palace. Sinai with flames of fire about it, burning though never by fire devoured. On all four sides surrounded so, entrance is barred to pretenders forever. For one who learns to be wise, however, its doors are open toward the east. He reaches out and takes a nut, then cracks its shell and eats. And what's this a description of in your mind? You know, we always say, what story does the poem tell? But um, what do you think he is describing here? I think he is describing a, a lot of things. I think he is describing an entrance into text in a way that we have not before. I mean, like, really, he's talking about the, the consumption of Torah as if it were food, as if it were sustenance. Now, I am so thrilled to hear you say that because after I read the poem and as I was thinking a lot about the Torah passages that inspire us to look for a poem like yes. this, yes. on one hand, it was our psukim here in Yitra, which yes. I'm going to share very soon. Mm-hmm. But I also went ahead to Parshat Mishpatim, where we have the idea of the young men eating and drinking mm-hmm. right after the giving of the Torah, mm-hmm. and God did not punish them for that. That, of course, is in Parshat Mishpatim. And 
is really a very mystical moment. And, yes. you know, this poem is absolutely mystical. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people ask, what is, what is mysticism? And there is a definition sure. that I am able to share because I'm not a great mystic yet. <laughs> uh, it is... You know, there's different way. There's different entrees into religion. There's different entrees into Judaism. Mm-hmm. A path of Judaism might be Musar. A path might be text study. A path mm-hmm. might be Daf Yomi. Mm-hmm. A path might be seeking to experience God. Mm-hmm. That is the world of mysticism. Yes. And what greater opportunity? What greater example of seeking to experience God? Is there other than Sinai that yeah. all of the people experiencing God? Sadia, excuse me, Yehud Halevi talks about how that was the miracle. The mm-hmm. miracle, and the Rambam, I believe, also talks about it. Mm-hmm. Our medieval rationalists that all of the people of Israel had the miracle of prophecy bestowed upon them. Mm-hmm. They experienced God. And as we lead up to the divine revelation, there's a lot of fear around that. Yes. You have to make a boundary around the mountain. And we can talk about where do we see this reflected in the poem. We'll do that in a minute. I'm going to share a few psukim. Yes. So we're in Parshat Yitro, Shmot Perik Yutet. Vayomar Shem El Moshe, Hinei Anochi Ba Elecha Be'av He'anan. Okay, right there. Mm-hmm. God is coming to Moshe in the midst of the cloud. Ba'avor Yishma'a'am B'dobriya Imach. So that the people... And I don't think I actually ever noticed that before reading it just now. It's like the people will hear as I speak to you. Yeah. So that's really interesting. So yeah. Revelation at Sinai was for Moshe and the people listening. Interesting. Yes. And actually this week in this week's Dvar uh, Torah or Hadash, someone spoke about uh, people believing in Moshe forever and, and actually mentioned this Pasuk. Huh. And of course, it was so long ago, actually, like three days ago. It's hard to remember who delivered that Torah. Three days oh, yes. hundred years. Just remembered who. Yes. Okay. And then Moshe's the messenger. He's going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then the people are urged to become holy and to sanctify themselves, wash their clothing. Always a good idea. Yes. Be ready on the third day. And then here it comes. There's thunder and lightning and heavy clouds, kind of like over Seward Park the last week. Oh, my. Uh, yes. <laughs> the sound of the shofar is very strong. Everyone is trembling because they're about to experience God. This is mysticism. This is the mystical. And um, and they're standing at the bottom of the mountain. And the mountain, the Harsinai, Ashan Kulo, is all up in smoke. And uh, God comes down in the fire. And there is fear, mm-hmm. and the mountain is shaking. Mm-hmm. And so our poet, Yosef Chikatila, mm-hmm. where do you see this Sinaitic experience in his poem? The nut garden holds things felt and thought. So we've got an entrance, this sort of individual, personal entrance into a place where where the the focus is feeling and thinking. And then we've got Sinai with flames of fire about it, burning though never by fire devoured. So the idea of the fire that does not consume. Which is, is again, the burning bush was on yes, Sinai. Yes, there, there is a sort of Sinaitic 
idea there. On all four sides surrounded, so entrances barred to pretenders forever. Oh, I love that. That's right in the middle. Yeah. That's right the in the middle. middle. That's literally you know the me. middle stanza. I love that middle. I think I think we are we are he is making a boundary <laughs> between sort of those who can receive and those who cannot. Which was very medieval Kabbalistic. Yes. Those who were in the society, those who were yes. not in the society. Let's probe a little bit on this idea of ginat egos. Mm. Uh, that, of course, is mentioned in Shir Hashirim. Yes. Which some would say is a very mystical book. Yes. Um, El ginat egos yaradati l'rot bi'ibe hanacha l'rot ha-parcha ha-gefen he-netsu ha-rimonim lo yadati nafshi samtani mark Vote Nadiv. I read that last verse because of the word Markevot. Mm-hmm. Chariot. Yes. Mysticism. So the nut garden. Now why, for example, in Shirashirim, there are many different kinds of flora mentioned. Yes. What is it about a nut garden that you think our poet is drawn to this idea of the nut garden? Well, isn't, isn't it goes specifically a walnut Yes. Okay. Some say yes. Some yeah. say okay. I looked Some it up. Some say yeah. Um, so I'm I'm wondering about a couple of things. One, walnut trees are are black, like the they're very dark, um, and if you touch the fruit, the black stuff gets on your hands. Ooh. It's sort of this this like weird, and it's very very difficult to clean off. Wow. Um, it's like it is like a stain. Um, and I'm thinking about walnuts in terms of like. Things we heard, you know, just like in Shir, Shir Hashirim, we we talk a lot about things that are for consumption, and I'm wondering about the consumption specifically. He reaches out and takes a nut, then cracks its shell and eats. Like this is specifically about eating from the ginate goes. Like he's oh. literally consuming what is growing in the garden. Okay, right. Thank you. Of course, Adam and Eve, yes. the garden, the fruit. Yes. Okay. I also want to call everyone's attention to the fact that EGOS is a, um, an, a- an acronym. Notarki, the nun. Hold on. EGOS. Garden of Nuts. Ginat EGOS stands for Gematria, Notricon, and Timura. So all of these different secret kind of ways of um, yeah. interpretation. Yeah. I'm going to say something absolutely bizarre. Prepare yourself. I, I'm prepared. So when I was in Israel the last time, mm-hmm. BCE, yes. before the COVID era, I was at a very interesting exhibit in the museum, I believe it was in Tel Aviv. And what it was was up close, intense drawings of flora and fauna and fruits and vegetables mm. that drew them in a way that they look like human body parts. And there's a whole thing about that. Yes. And the walnut is the brain. <gasps> yes. Just look at it. And you have to crack it open. You do. You okay? do. You and and it. it's a very hard shell. Okay, there's other Brazil nuts. Other nuts have very hard shells. But sure. walnut shells are very hard. Yes. But then that nut looks like a brain. It does. Maybe that's why they like hmm. the walnut. I don't know. Yes. It could be. I'm, I'm, I, um... That that feels well, and I also think that there's that sort of mystical element, right? The idea I'm thinking of Rumi and Rumi's relationship to sort of the body and the brain. Um, I think Rumi has a lot to say about the mystical experience of thought, the mystical experience of ideas, and I wonder if if Shikatiya is also 
thinking about that. It could very well be. Um, so what do you make of the pretenders? That is where I was going to go next. Like, let's talk about these pretenders. Who are these pretenders? I don't know. Um, well, I think that's also, that could be part of that boundary that, that Jikatia is setting about, like, who belongs and who does not, right? That, that very sort of enlightenment idea. Um, I, th I think that we are, um, I, I wonder about the sort of, the crowd, so to say, at Sinai, were there sort of, and I'm going to use a phrase I wouldn't normally, were there non-believers in the crowd? I think there's always going to be non-believers in every crowd. There's a, oh, I mean. And I think that. I wonder if we're sort of calling them out like maybe maybe they were not they may have been present but they were not part of the same experience of god as everybody else and and that will send them that sort of bars them from the greater community sort of forever and that could that i don't necessarily mean that in a physical way i think that not i think that pretenders i'm busy looking here for a copy of the poem in hebrew mm -hmm. um i think that the pretenders aren't going to survive and so sure. here we go. So we've got the nut garden holds things felt and thought and feeling for thought is always a palace. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of talk also about entering the palace of yes. the king. Yes, yes, And that's also in Shir Hashirim imagery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Sinai with flames fire about it, burning though never fire devoured. And, you know, we sh God is spoken of as Esh Ochelat, yeah. the fire that consumes. Um, On all four sides surrounded so... Entrance is barred to pretenders forever. They are excluded. Does that mean they die? Oh, I think so. You think so? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm thinking I, yes. I'm the, I am inclined <coughs> to be with you on that. Yeah. That um, that um that their exclusion is a is a whole exclusion, an exclusion of not of the, the exclusion from the living. Right. I, I mean we really can't get away from the Song of Songs passage. El Ginat Egos Yaradati Lir Ot Hanachal. Lir It's to and to go down and see the grapes mm -hmm. and the and the pomegranates and this fruited garden and remember the Garden of Eden. I mean the imagery is all continuously there and, mm -hmm. and that's because we have this deep belief that God comes, God creates the world, and God is in the Garden of Eden, mm -hmm. and then Adam and Eve take their dramatically menacing first misstep by eating of the fruit. Yes. Then God, as if, leaves the garden only to return at Sinai. Yeah. And so here is the con continu con continuation mm -hmm. of God is coming down. Vayere, this idea of God coming down to the earth. Yered Hashem Ha'am al God is coming down onto the mountain. And you know what's funny? Think about Shavuos and how we teach the children that Sinai was adorned with flowers yes. and fauna. And we make a big deal of that. And we, we do. Make a, put a lot of flowers in our house. Oh, yeah. And so... You know, those are the little secrets we pass down generation to generation. Yeah. But Sinai is the new Garden of Eden. And God is yeah. coming down and revealing. And instead of eating from the tree, we are given these, a, a nice little nut bowl. I know, right? <laughs> With a lot of 
nuts. When I was little on Pesach, we had a bowl of nuts. And I yes. can still see the bowl. And we had these nut crackers, these metal things. And they were like claws. Yes, yes. Yeah. And we would crack the nuts. And, you know, and inside is all of this wisdom. And, you know, we continuously talk about food and knowledge. Mm-hmm. All the, it's, it's everywhere. It's very similar. There's a lot of parallel metaphors. And one of the reasons I've heard given is just like you're, we're always hungry for food. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Always hungry for food. Yes. We are also always hungry for knowledge. Yes. Those, those are the two things for which we have so much appetite. Yes. The healthy person. <laughs> Might I just say? Yes. Because there's some unhealthy people. Unfortunately, they're not healthy for food. And then there's some unhealthy people that are not healthy for, are not up for learning all the time. It's true. We're not going to mention them. No, absolutely not. Um, but I, I think that we are being, I think we are being sort of guided here in a way by this Parsha and this poem toward the revelation in this new experiential way. Um, and I think what you said about food is definitely part of that. There is an experience of the, the Sinai, the, the revelation at Sinai, and then there's also the experience of consumption and the experience of specifically eating. And I think we're, we're thinking about these through the same lens of appetite and through the lens of sort of satisfaction. Oh, I think absolutely. Now what's interesting is the Sinai experience was overwhelming for most of the B'nai Israel. They could not handle it. And I mean, it was a huge overload of God and this, and this, you know, the, thunder and the lightning and all of it and they begged Moshe to be the one to speak mm-hmm. and but but again we go back to this pasuk which really just hit me for the first time I feel we need to look further into this mm-hmm. I'm kind of like shaken by that so the people will hear me talking to you we always talk about the revelation at Sinai that God is speaking to all the people mm-hmm. what's up with this you need to give me an answer right now. My answer right <laughs> now is that the humble Moshe, I think, I, I, my assumption was that he was sort of everyone. There was a sort of all personhood mm. to Moshe that, that the text clues us into. And I, I wonder if when, you know, God may have been speaking to Moshe in particular at Sinai, but... Wasn't essentially Moshe all of us standing there feeling afraid, representing had, us, rep- representing us, but also like this the the humanness of him, probably feeling very small, and and not maybe so impressive. Having had all of these experiences, we've got the burning bush and we've got the coming through the desert, right? We've got some some interesting things that he is carrying with him. And I think that Moshe was sort of all of us as he stood there. And so we may have sort of eavesdropped, eavesdropped oh. on that conversation. Or, and we could have also been sort of present in, in Moshe's presence. Well, I think that's a great way around it. Um, <laughs> you've definitely settled the democratic self in me that it's, is demanding. I thought God was revealing to all of us. I think all of us are Moshe and Moshe is all of us. Okay, that's beautiful. Now, looking at Yosef Jikatila, let's mm-hmm. look at this poem one last time before we call it a podcast. Yes. Um, you know where I'm looking? Where are you looking? 
For one who learns to be wise, however, its doors are open toward the east. To Israel? To Israel. Um, and and I also wonder if that is sort of that, that golden age moment of, the, there's the mystical experience, right? But I think there's also an element there of that, of that, that learning and text is still a piece of the mystical experience and that we shouldn't be, we shouldn't hold one over the other. And there were absolutely mystical communities in Israel. And yes. I'm not sure if they were at this time, because this is pretty early. Yeah. But you can just be sure that we're going to need to follow up and see if we can find a Hebrew version of this poem. Yes, I could not find one. This I had to find from the Poetry Foundation. Um, I'm impressed the Poetry Foundation has this. I was too. I'm like I was deeply shocked. impressed. I was deeply shocked, impressed. And um, so no, I think I think we need to follow. And we this didn't up even the mention the translator. Um, good old Peter Cole. I I have done a lot of study of poetry and translation, and this is a this is a name I have never come across. I mean Peter Cole. Where does he know from Sephardic? Golden Age poetry. Who even knows? We need to find out. We need to find out. Um, and he obviously is a great scholar of Hebrew. Yes. Uh, and this whole idea of the ginat egos, I hope it stays with you. I think we should perhaps place walnuts on our table this Shabbat Absolutely. and ask everyone why. And Absolutely. let's see if they can figure it out. I am all for it. If they are loyal listeners to the poem, the part of the podcast, they will know they the will answer. They will know. They will they have the answer immediately. Right. We're going to hope they crack that shell. Absolutely. Had to say it. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.